Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real. I'm back. <laughs> Today's episode of Something to Talk About is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Rich is out of town right now, so we did our typical Q&A session over the phone today. But we are staying in Luke chapter 4 and talking a little bit more about how Jesus was received when he returned to Nazareth. And how following him, even for those of us who follow him today, can often deal with similar attitudes from people. So we dove a little deeper into that this morning. So here's today's episode. Good morning. Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, as as everybody can probably hear, we're doing things a little differently again uh, because Rich is on a trip. Yes. Yeah. Once again, we're at the Creation Museum. And because you live there now. <laughs> Can't pass it up. <laughs> well, I hope you're having fun, and thank you for taking some time out to do our little uh, regular Q&A session this week. So we'll try oh, to I'm keep excited. it brief. <laughs> All right. So uh, as you talked about on Tuesday, uh, and thank thank Gabe again for doing the intro for that. He did a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He said, I'm no Stacy Blasky, but I'm right, right, right. my back. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, as you talked about on Tuesday, um, continuing in Luke chapter 4, when uh, Jesus returns to Nazareth and doesn't get the warmest reception, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Um, so, you know, as usual, you asked me to think of some things, you know, regarding that. And, and the first thing that comes to my mind is not so much that particular story in that particular time but gosh how much that that is the same situation uh in in many different ways i know for for me and i i know you've talked about it before and a lot of people i've talked to uh sometimes when you start talking about christianity in general it can make people go Ooh, and give the I love Lucy face, but, um, uh, but <laughs> you know, if, right. but if you, if you decide to follow Jesus and you, and you become a Christ follower and your whole life changes in a lot of different ways. And I think right. we expect all these wonderful changes and a lot of them are wonderful, but at the same time, it can be a little scary because if you decide to do this and you proclaim that you're, you can risk losing some people that you care about or know deeply or, or whatever. And that's, you know, that's, I, I can't imagine how Jesus felt when he's going home and this is the reception he gets, but we deal with that in our, in our own communities, our own families. Absolutely. You know, it's, I, I think, as you mentioned, there are some really fantastic changes that, that take place when we receive Christ and we're born again and, and we become uh, new creatures, as uh, Paul writes in Thessalonians. But as we're, um, I mean, in, in Second Corinthians, as we're dealing with all of this, the, the awesome changes are actually exactly what creates the rejection. That's what creates the negative impact, because we used to be darkness and now, according to to Ephesians, we, we used to be darkness, but now we're light. Right. So because we've changed identities, we no longer fit in with the world around us. And and light always scatters the darkness. That's the way it works. And so uh, if you're used to someone who's 
in darkness. You know, I experienced this this morning when I got up in the hotel room and, you know, I was, it was dark and I was used to being asleep and I go into the, to the bathroom to, to get cleaned up and ready for the day. And you turn on those bright lights in the bathroom and it's shocking to the eyes. Well, when, when we go from darkness to light, then without changing even our behavior, our identity changes and we're no longer a part of that dark world that we used to belong to. So before we fix everything and, and, we don't, but the Holy Spirit in us, as we renew our minds and we fill ourselves with the word of God and the presence of God, then we're transformed by the spirit of God. When that happens, uh, even before the, the observable outside chance for transformations take place, the inside is changed and our identity sets us at odds in the same kind of a way that, that you might see, uh, you know, an Israeli citizen uh, being absolutely hated by Hamas or, or something mm-hmm. like that, because the identity is different. And so Jesus doesn't even seem surprised by this. It, I mean, if you read his tone there, it's like he knows that they're going to reject him before they know they're going to reject him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he reads the Messiah part as he reads from Isaiah 61 and says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody's still amazed. They're like, wow this guy's incredible, but they're not getting it yet. They're, they're, they're looking at the skills. They're looking at the, the outward signs of the, you know, the miracles they'd heard about the authority with which he's speaking and the the grace of his presence. And they're thinking, Oh, wow. You know, what a great preacher. But what they're missing on is the message. Right. And what he's saying is here is the gospel for everyone else. And, you know, even what he's reading in Isaiah is talking about the, the poor and the outcast, the, the oppressed. And then he cites to them, you know, you're going to tell me to do all the things that you heard about in other places, but your hearts aren't right. You're not looking to receive God. You're looking to receive the benefits of God, the blessings of God. And the father wants your heart, wants you to want him. And rather than giving yourself to him, you just want the show. And he gives this example of of the um, Sidonian woman in uh, in Second uh, King or First Kings as uh, as Elijah is going. He's a prophet to Israel, but God sends him outside of Israel to this Gentile woman, and because of her faith, she receives God before Israel does. Israel's still worshiping Baal and killing the prophets and so on. I'm sorry. They're slack. Yeah, absolutely. And so then uh, later on, you know, he cites the, the later example of Elisha uh, healing Naaman. He says there were there were lepers all over Israel. The prophet could have miraculously healed all of these lepers, but he didn't. God saw fit for him to only heal Naaman, this Gentile soldier who comes in. And so Jesus is very clearly making a point to them that this isn't yours because you're you because you're special because we have some connection this is about the message this is about the truth of the good news that god wants to extend his grace to to people who are not you you want special privileges and so it's like before they ever get mad it's like he knows they're going to get mad and it's actually i don't mean to sound you know like jesus is an antagonist but he he does say, I, I don't come to bring peace, but a sword. 
So here he comes, and the word of truth now is dividing them. And, and as soon as he calls them out, rather subtly, to, to my mind, I mean, he could have just said, like John did at the baptism, you brood of vipers. Jesus doesn't do that. He just points out the truth, and the truth divides. And so back to what you were saying at the beginning, when we become Christ followers, Jesus said, you know, they hated me first. So they're going to hate right. you if you're like me. If you belong to me, they're going to hate you because they hate me. Uh, and he says, in this world, we're going to have trouble. But don't take heart. Don't, I mean, but do take heart. Don't let it bug you. Don't let it get to you because I've overcome the world. If you're in me, then you overcome the world in me, with me. So because but of it can... this change in identity, we are outsiders now to those that we used to be insiders to so they look at us and they're like who are you how dare right how dare you say this to me you know i knew you when you know we're 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 brothers we're you know we're family we're you know from the same high school i know you and so that idea of familiarity breeds contempt shows up there but beyond that they're identifying with our old identity with who we used to be and we were bound in the flesh and in the world before when we were all outside of christ but now that you're in christ now that you've become light in the lord that old connection in the worldly ways that's meaningless and that can be very difficult for people to process well i often wonder if it's a it can be very shocking i mean you expect to you know you have this great this great change and this great revelation. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm doing this now. And, and you, you want to share that with people. And so people that you feel close to who are saying, well, that's crazy or you're, you've changed and I don't want to be around you anymore. That's (laughs) even though Jesus told us that's coming, that's going to be the way it is. That still can be a a shock. And right. Absolutely. And when it hits you, especially, you know, if it's somebody that you're really close to and uh, and you want that for them, too. You know, I've got this. You should have this, too. I want to share it with you Um, for them to to reject you or or, you know, tell you it's all ludicrous is, I I think, personally, one of the hardest things to to deal with in, in being a Christ follower. And not only not only getting turned away by people who care about you, but if you even say something to the to the tone of i i believe in jesus there seems to be a switch that goes off in some people's head that automatically makes them think oh so you think you're better than me now right and and also <laughs> and, they'll stereotype you that you know they'll tend to to have exactly. beliefs about what you believe even right. if you don't believe it <laughs> so, right right and you've kind of experienced that yourself you know going back not to share your stories for you but you know yeah. i know that you've uh, lost some some friends it's kind of a hard thing to say but you've lost some friends uh, but based on assumptions using, alone really right and and having already been saved but but prior to that maybe not um not seeking discipleship uh the way that that you were uh, then as you as you grew but <clears throat> when um you know you started posting some things about jesus on facebook uh had some folks that you were really connected with, particularly through your your um, your music background and and school mm-hmm. background, and then uh, as soon as they see you identified with Christ in that way, before you know that if you just go to church, you talk about God, people don't tend to be as bothered by it. 
But when you talk about Christ, when you're connected with Christ, now all of a sudden, bam. And before you ever say that you hadn't said anything judgmental or anything like that, just your own faith and, and your love for Jesus. And now all, all of a sudden, wait a minute, does that you must reject me. You must judge me. You must hate me. Right. Close to that. And you can assure them of loving things. But because you're identified with Christ, people will have assumptions about you and that they did that to him. Some folks, you know, were, were saying, well, John, he's he's too out there. He's too conservative. You know, he's obviously a bigoted hate monger to use today's terms. How dare you judge our sin? Then Jesus comes along and the religious people are, are like, wow, what a libertarian, you know, what, or what a, uh, a, a licentious sinner. You, all you want to do is hang out with tax collectors and hookers and stuff. And no matter what happened, people weren't getting to the truth because of their biases, because of their, uh, their predisposition to hate the light to hate anything associated with who Christ is, even when they didn't know what that meant. I think that's one of the things we run into a lot in our world today is people have these ideas of what a Christian is or an evangelical is, or put a denominational label, you know, all of these different things that may or may not have any connection to actual truth. Well, because things have been so twisted so often. Absolutely. And so we get these caricatures, and all of those things are things that the enemy is using to create a caricature of the Christ follower. So we end up having these labels put on us that have nothing to do with who we are. Right. Except for the fact that the enemy is stirring up minds against Christ. So they're really not rejecting us. They're rejecting Christ. And that's exactly what he said. They're not hating you. They're hating me. Right. But you're in me. So if you're in me, then they're going to hate you because you're in me. Yeah. And, and just, that's just sometimes a hard pill to have to swallow. <laughs> well, and, and look at the impact that that would have on families. Exactly. You know, right. You have parents who raise you to be a good religious person, but then you come into a personal relationship with Christ. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, you're rejecting everything we taught you, but we raised you in the church. You, you know, we give you life. And, you know, how, how can that impact a marriage? You know, you're, you're together with somebody and all of a sudden, you know, things like this didn't matter to you before you, that you weren't, you weren't religious, you weren't, you know, whatever, but then you get saved and all of a sudden Jesus is your everything. Well, we were bound previously with a whole other set of values. Now your values, the core of who you are is totally changed and the whole apple cart is upset. And that's exactly what Jesus talked about when he said, you know, that I've come to bring sword. What he's saying is, look, you, you all assume that I've come to just bring peace, but it's not peace the way you think of it. There will be a peace that will be ushered in. That's what, you know, the prophecies about Messiah were. Isaiah said he'd be the prince of peace. But that prince of peace, it, it comes on the other side of a warfare. There's a battle that takes place, and that peace will come. But the reality of it is, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword that divides, divides homes. And that, that sword is the sword of truth. Truth will always divide. It's easy to get along if we always lie to one another, if we, <laughs> if we say the things that feel good. And, you know, we see uh, this past week here with uh, President Trump and, and uh, um, Chairman Kim uh, meeting together uh, in North Korea. And we've got this great thing. And 
politicians get together for these summits to try and bring peace. The problem that always makes peace difficult is when you actually tell each other the truth. <laughs> when, you, right. when you go in and you say, look, what you're doing, I have a problem with. Uh, we want to be buddies. We want to you know, get along, but I can't tolerate this. As long as we get to a place where we just say we want to get along and then we ignore everything else, that's easy. You can ignore the atrocities in Syria and we could get along really well uh, with their government. That, that's a piece of cake. You could ignore uh, you know, yeah. all of the terrible things that happened in Nazi Germany and we could have peace with Hitler. In fact, England considered that as their policy before they resisted. So the, the idea was, hey, let's just give them what they want. If we just acquiesce, if we pacify Hitler, then everything will be good. That was never going to work. Right. And so truth has that same kind of a nature. Truth causes us to stand. And if I stand for this and you stand for that, then we end up with the, the contrast between light and darkness. And those who are in Christ will always be hated by the darkness. And that includes even the ones that we love who are outside of Christ. And using, you know, Jesus in Nazareth as an example and following what he says, it sounds like that's just what we're going to have to deal with as hard as it is, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's no way know, around it. When Jesus says no prophet is accepted in his hometown, right. that seems to say that this is not in any way uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it, it's almost axiomatic that if you are coming to those who are familiar with you and you're speaking truth that they're not comfortable hearing, which the prophets always do, they're speaking the word of God, which is always going to be uncomfortable to the world, the flesh and the devil. So if that's the case, then the people that you have always loved, who has have always loved you, are going to turn on you. And that can be tough. I might close this with the Dolly Parton song. So. <laughs> Go for it. We love Dolly. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let you get back to your trip. Enjoy the, the Creation Museum again. I, I can't get over how amazing it is to see how science always points back to God. It, you know, it's a, that's a whole other podcast. I was going to say, that's so, another episode. <laughs> to, to look at the beauty of what God has done, having created this entire cosmos uh, with a an intricate design that is so undeniable to any really logical mind. I mean, it, it, it's, I think Christians have unfortunately done a disservice over the generations to run away from hard questions because every time we dive into the hard questions, we come back, we end up in God as our answer because he designed it all. And so it, it's really not hard to see God in science, but we've sometimes made it hard uh, by pushing our, our brains out of the way to have something that we call faith that isn't really faith. Seems like a pattern here. You have to deal with hard stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. We can't get away from it. All right. Well, hey, send us some pictures. <laughs> I'll do that. We'll see how they work on the podcast. All right, Rich. Thanks for <laughs> checking in. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. I told you I'd end with a Dolly Parton song. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in on Sunday for the sermon episode for this week's overall theme. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot more of what we talked about today. So thanks again. We'll see you next time.